Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. Dave and Danielle and their whole family are here. Is and Yah and Ade and Elias. Man, we really love you guys. We're grateful for what the Lord has done to connect us. Um, bro, your friendship to me means the world to me. Um, man, and I know Anna and I both, man, you and Danielle and your family, um, you guys are heroes. Not, and I know you, you, you say this when asked, not because you live in the Middle East but because of the way that you love him and walk with him and have given your lives to him and for him. Um, in the Middle East, as you say, just happens to be the place where he's asked you to walk with him. Um, guys, would you, would you stand up on your feet this morning as we welcome Dave Papavisi to come. Come on, bro, we love you, man, we honor you. Hey, you can stay on maybe for just a couple of minutes. You guys can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, just uh, maybe just for a couple of moments, just stay in this place. I really believe that uh, even as, as Mike was praying and so grateful to be a part of everything you guys uh, are invited into by the Lord himself, just to see the kingdom of God break into cities across the United States and the church returning to purity and first love. But I really believe the Lord was doing something in a time when we were just waiting on the Lord. And one of the themes in the last several meetings that we've had together is eyes opening, the Lord opening eyes for the church. And today I feel a unique burden for the church here in Chicago. The Lord is opening eyes. He's granting a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he's reminded us over the last couple of days that that revelation has primarily to do with understanding who he is, seeing him as he is. And even in Revelation chapter 1, John has an encounter with the resurrected Lord and he sees him as he is. And he sees him and his hair is as white as wool. It depicts the very wisdom, the divine wisdom of God. And his eyes are burning with fire, both the fire of holiness and the fire of his love. And he's, and he's wearing a robe, a white robe with a golden sash, which speaks of the fact that he is a priest forever. And he is the king of a kingdom of priests forever to his God and to his father. And that's where we are. And his voice is like the sound of many waters, and out of his mouth comes a sword, which is the word of God. The priest has a message for the nations. And his priesthood, we carry a message for the nations. And that message is the message of the gospel. Amen? Let's just put, place our hands over our hearts and just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, set in my heart a burning fire for your eternal gospel. In Jesus' name. Thank you, bro. Amen. I was going to primarily share out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But then Bob, it'd be hard to follow up. <laughs> it'd be hard to follow up. 
But I do want to share some things from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But I really, I felt a, a, a compulsion from the Lord to just share on the message of the priesthood. We're a priesthood. It, it's so important that as believers we see ourselves and understand ourselves the way the Lord defines us. And God calls us a priesthood. And, and from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll just quickly look at the last couple of verses of chapter 3. Paul is, Paul is he's sharing some pictures of what it looks like to be a priesthood. And he mentions how the Jews, when they read the law, there's a veil over their hearts. But in verse 16, he says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I believe Jeff talked about freedom and what it looks like to dispense or administrate our freedom. What does it look like to flesh out freedom as a priesthood in our relation to the nations around us? And when we talk about the nations around us, we don't, we don't just mean the nations that are far away but the nations that are all around us i was born in romania moved to albany park is there anybody from albany park here nations all around you <laughs> chicago is a, is, is a city made up of nations all around us and there's a message that the priesthood has and that message is the message of the gospel we don't graduate from the message of the gospel we have to preach the message of the gospel. God has not given that mandate to angels, but to men and to women. We cannot tamper with the message of the gospel or change it so that it may in some way please the palate of the listener. The eternal gospel remains the same. And so this is what it looks like to be a priesthood. He says in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, we behold the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this happens or comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The way it happens is we interact with God by gazing, right? The first evening that was established. I pray it's forever established in our hearts. We spend our lives gazing on the face of Jesus in the midst of a perverse generation that is gazing on all kinds of other lusts and desires that they have set up in their hearts as idols and gods. But we turn from the place of gazing and transformation to a world and we proclaim gospel we proclaim gospel the priesthood has a message for the nations around them Israel failed in regard to their role as a priesthood as a nation of priests they ceased in the history of Israel's failings to behold the face of the one true God and they ceased to be a light to the nations around them. And so they were sent off into exile. The scripture says something in Romans 15. It's a passage that's always been very interesting to me. If you want to turn quickly, Romans 15. And in verse 15. And Paul says, after he expounds on the gospel. In the letter, uh, the letter to the Romans, the Magna Carta of what... Some scholars, New Testament scholars would say is the presentation of the apostles' gospel. He then says, on some points I have written to you in verse 15, very boldly, by a way of reminder, because of the grace that was given to me. I wrote to you guys very boldly so that I would remind you. And the reason I did so is because God has empowered me with his power and his wisdom to serve in a particular kind of way, to be a minister, to serve in a particular kind of way, a minister of Christ Jesus 
to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the unevangelized and to the unengaged. Don't assume that that person next to you in the grocery aisle has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every Muslim I've ever met in Iraq has heard the name of Jesus. 99.999% of them have never heard the gospel. And we live in a generation right now in 2021 where most people under 30, if not all of them, have heard the name of Jesus. And I'd be willing to bet that the majority of those have never heard the presentation of the gospel. But a priesthood has a message. And so he says, called into the priestly service, to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. It's priestly to proclaim the message of Jesus' victory. The message of the cross, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus. The soon coming wedding feast. Priests have a message in their mouths. Jesus gives an evangelistic appeal to his disciples and to all those that are following him. And it sounds a little bit different than what most evangelistic appeals sound like. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and come and follow me. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and forfeit his soul? Listen, you will pay a price either to say yes to Jesus or you will pay a price to continue to engage in the course of the world. Both require a price. Both require a price. It just comes down to the decision of who you will pay. It's not a matter of earning salvation. It's the offering of your life. But it's going to cost. The message of the gospel proclaims the beauty and the majesty of Jesus as revealed on a cross and calls men to come and lay down their lives. It's interesting because I remember when I first got born again, radical encounter with the Lord, two-day encounter with God, transformed by the revelation of his holiness and of his love. And then, and then years went by and some came to the Lord, many came to the Lord and some stuck the entire way, some fell away for different reasons. Fell away because of offense, fell away because of the love of the world, fell away because all kinds of different reasons. But so often we can trace, we can trace their history back to saying yes to a version of the gospel that we don't find in the scripture. Saying yes to a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the scriptures. Right? It happens. It happens all too often. Priests have a message. Amen. We can turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So what is that message? What does it look like? Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. And what ministry is that? What did he just finish talking about? Beholding. Priests behold. It's because we have this ministry by the mercy of God that we don't lose heart. When our hearts fail us, it's because we ceased to behold him. 
But he says we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. And we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Why the shift of conversation? You were just talking about beholding the Lord. Paul's, Paul's talking about what it looks like to be a new covenant believer. Old covenant Jews would read the words of God, but there was a veil over their hearts because the light of the Spirit was not present inside of most of their hearts. Why this, this transition of conversation? He says, we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We will not practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We are not going to tweak the gospel in such a way to remove the stigma of it. The scripture calls it the foolishness of the message preached. In the Psalms, it says that God has perfected praise in the mouth of babes. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I think, I think maybe sometimes we don't think about it because America has been immersed for many generations, and not so much now in recent history, in, in Christian, Judeo-Christian culture. But living in the nations, or if you engage the unengaged, if you engage the unevangelized, there may be people from a place or part of the world that have not grown up in the same kind of Judeo-Christian culture. When you, when you listen to yourself sharing the gospel, you realize how naturally foolish it sounds. Right? You're talking to a wealthy Middle Eastern person who has several Range Rovers and power and everything that he thinks that he wants. And, and you're talking to him about how his greatest need is to repent and turn away from all of those things that have become gods to him. And to place his absolute trust blindly in a Jewish man who grew up as a carpenter 2,000 years ago and happened to die of capital, by capital punishment on a cross in a shameful way and will one day come back and invite all of humanity that chose to place their trust in him to a wedding feast that's going to inaugurate the rest of all of life. You listen to yourself say it and you recognize, man, if you don't have revelation, right? But that's the gospel. That's the message of the gospel. And the word of God is saying to us, with the fear of the Lord, we don't tamper with God's word. A priesthood has a message to the nations around them or they cease to be a priesthood in the nations at all. A priesthood has a mission that goes vertically first and that goes horizontally second. We must be filled, even as we, I think a couple of different times, Isaiah 6 was referenced this weekend. And that Isaiah 6 encounter that beholds the Lord of glory. Isaiah is invited into the council of the Lord. Into the inner chambers of the Lord. That encounter ends with Him being invited to listen in, to eavesdrop on the Trinitarian conversation that is happening at the very throne of God. Who will go for us? Where will I find a priesthood that bears the fire and image of God that is willing to walk out the way of sacrifice? Burning with the message of the gospel in their mouths that is willing to walk out the way of sacrifice. The depiction of Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 1 depicts him as a king who is a priest. Who has feet that look like they've been 
burnished bronze in a fire. Jesus is the one who stands in the place of sacrifice and who shows us what it looks like to walk out the way of sacrifice. The very brazen altar in, in, in tabernacle and temple imagery made of the same material, brass, that brazen glow, always a fire ascending to God, always a sacrifice ascending to God where the priest would always administrate a sacrifice in that, in that bronze altar that would forever have that glow to it. An incense arising. Jesus is the priest and the sacrifice and the heralder of the message forevermore from the right hand of the Father. And we are called into the same experience. Amen? When Jesus died on the cross... He died on the cross so that we would not have to be punished for our sins, but that we would be made the righteousness of God. But it's not so that we would be exempt from his way of life. Both are true. We are exempt from the wrath of God, and we now have the high privilege of entering into his way of life, into his source of life, and the power of his life, but also into his way of life, into his way of life. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. He said, I must go from town to town and village to village and proclaim the kingdom of God. May God release a beautiful baptism of the fire of the gospel to the church in Chicago. Pressures all around of all kinds, political turmoil, crime, as long as I can remember, but on the rise, division in the church. The gospel is the answer. The gospel is the answer. Not self-help, behavior modification, and social justice programs. You hear, are you listening, Chicago? That's not going to save a city on its way to hell. And that should matter to us. Because as a priesthood, when we behold the face of the Lord, we become more and more like him. Paul can say to the Romans in this same letter that we read, as he's expounding on the gospel and he's now transitioning to talk about the role of Israel as it relates to the nations and the covenant of, covenant of God and his return. And he begins with this when he talks about Israel. A, a hardened nation. Listen, it is far easier in my personal experience, maybe others is different, to see a Muslim come to faith than seeing a Jew come to faith. Thus far. Thus far. A nation that, was hard, that hardened his own heart and was hardened by the Lord. And, and he begins by saying that he has unceasing sorrow and anguish in his heart. He's speaking like a man who's a priest. Compassion and the love of God that burns deep within. He says, always offering up prayers for them like a priest. But to what degree? For I would be willing to be cut off from Christ that they would be saved. Now, I don't know how many of you can say that with a clean conscience. But I'm willing to bet not too many. I'm willing to be cut off from Christ that they would be saved. Something very similar that Moses says. When God says, I'm done with this hard, hardened people. I'm going to blot them out of my book. I'll raise up another nation from you. And Moses, a man who's beheld the glory of God, has now been impacted by that same glory. His insides have changed. His value system has changed. Love has taken root. And he's willing to walk the way of suffering like a priest. Because his feet are forever indicative of the, of the fact that he's the one that stands in the place of sacrifice 
and forever models what it looks like to walk the way of sacrifice. Amen. Moses said the same thing. He said the same thing that Paul says. May God baptize us with a baptism of tears that come from beholding the face of God. And may, in, may he empower us with a boldness that is willing to go and engage people at our own expense. At our own expense. At the expense of our time, at the expense of our resources, at the expense of our popularity, at the expense of losing the dignity and, and whatever influence we may have, whatever it may cost, to see people encounter Jesus in this city. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Listen, it's been referenced already this weekend. Our issue is not with flesh and blood. Don't listen to the news. Your problem is not your brother or your sister. And it doesn't matter what race they come from or denomination they come from. Your enemy is not the person who votes the other side. Your enemy are powers and principalities. Spiritual warfare is a very real thing. We have weapons that are divinely powerful. And, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that we wage war with every high and lofty thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Ideologies and lies that are being propagated through the media, by the world, by the value systems of sin and perversion and pornography and the love of money and the spirit of murder and violence and ultimately, ultimately a me-centered culture. It's those things that we go to war with. And the way we go to war is by beholding Jesus and by proclaiming the truth. It, doesn't, it, doesn't it just sound like there has to be something else? Like there has to be something else. There can't just be it. There has to be something else besides loving Jesus and proclaiming the truth. Proclaiming the truth as we walk out the way of sacrifice. No, no, no. That's it. That's why Paul said the world views the gospel which is the wisdom of God and the power of God as weakness because of the, the content and foolishness because of what we buy into. We pro, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you guys hear that? What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's the gospel. The gospel is not about you. The gospel is not primarily about you. And if it was primarily about you, it would no longer be good news. It's good because it's primarily about God, and God is good. And when God receives all glory, his creation comes underneath the very light rays of his goodness. And we are the ones that inherit that goodness that comes down and spills down into us. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I can't but, but think to myself of the story of the Garden of Eden and of Adam and Eve and of the serpent who deceived that young lady but did not know that God was going to raise up a seed from that young lady that was going to crush his head. And, and in the very temptation, the very essence of the temptation, he's inviting her to gaze on something. He's inviting her to gaze on something that does not bear the image of God. 
He's inviting her into disobedience to the will of God. And he's inviting her with a message. Right? He's inviting her by means of speech. Speech. A conversation. And he's inviting her by, by the means of speech to behold something and then commune. Jesus wants us so much so to immerse our hearts and our minds in the gospel that he gives a holy tradition of communion every time we gather and to eat the elements as a way of reminder and proclamation of the cross, burial, resurrection, and return of Jesus. I mean, he intentionally chooses something that we commune with that becomes part of us. It's not just something that we look at, but don't engage, and not just engage, but engage in an intimate way. We take it and we make it a part of ourselves. We enjoy it, we delight in it, we take it within ourselves. But he also chooses something that we do consistently. It's almost as if he's one of the thoughts that crosses his mind when he says it is for sure they're going to be consistently walking by the refrigerator, right? I mean, one of the centerpieces of houses in real estate is the kitchen. People want to sell their homes, like, redo the kitchen. And then afterwards, redo the bathrooms. Why? Because you spent too much time in the kitchen. Right? Why the kitchen? Because we, we eat, right? We, we enjoy eating. Jesus finds something. He creates us in such a way that we're forever needing things. We're dependent. We're dependent on air, on water, on food, on rest. We're created to be dependent. And he inserts right into that pictures of the gospel. Use this as a memorial and as a way to remind yourselves we don't graduate from the message of the gospel. It's the message that should fill our mouths this city is in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when Eve sins, Satan tells Eve, he says, God doesn't want you to eat of the tree because then he knows that you will be like him. When in fact, they're already like him by virtue of the fact that they're image bearers. They are created in his image. So he lies to Eve about her own identity and deceives her into disobedience to God's will. And when she disobeys and her eyes are opened to a whole new spectrum of options outside of God. Then the first thing she sees is she is preoccupied with what? And, and Adam is preoccupied with what? With themselves and their own nakedness and their own fear and their own shame and their own lusts. They are now preoccupied with self. Paul says we do not preach ourselves. We don't preach ourselves. We don't preach a message that puts the emphasis and the focus of all things God on us. As if we are the ones sitting on the throne and the cosmos are, are, are moving around us. Right? The gospel is good news because it's all about God. It's all about God. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and come and follow me. That's the message of the gospel. When, when Moses is on that mountain, he asks God to see his glory. God puts him in the cleft of the rock, covers the space with his hand. He says, you can't see my face and live. He said, but I'll cause my glory to pass by you. He walks by. He lets go of his hand. He sees the Lord walking, in essence, by, walking away. And he there proclaims his name, Yahweh, Yahweh. Gracious, compassionate, full of mercy. God is love. God is love, yet he's full of truth. He will by no means overlook sin. God's glory is the revelation of who he is. 
The message is a proclamation of who he is and what he's come to do. And it's only power if it's preached. A silent gospel is not a powerful gospel. People like to quote the, 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 the ancient quote, which I forgot who said it. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. There's a problem with that statement. Preach the gospel and make certain you use words. You have to use words. Use specific words. Use the kind of words that we find in scripture. Use the words that proclaim Jesus as the king and the bridegroom and the son of God. Crucified, resurrected, ascended, and soon to return. Preach the gospel that says that God is holy. And he will not bend his holiness to meet your desires. He does not bend. We bend. Bob just last night gave the imagery of, of, of uh, Jacob with the, with the limp. By the way, when I was in high school, it was cool. <laughs> That's, I walked like that for like four years. Jacob was ahead of the curve. <laughs> the Lord touches, the Lord touches his, his hip. God gives a promise to Abraham and from Abraham through his sons that he's going to grant a seed. And through that seed, the nations of the earth is going to be blessed through their loins, through, through their very loins, he's going to bless the nations of the earth. And Jacob knows he's a partaker of that promise. And he wants the blessing, but he wants the blessing his way. He wants something that Esau is willing to give away. Esau full out just wants the world. Jacob wants the Lord, but in a worldly kind of way. He wants the Lord. Meaning he wants the blessing of God as long as he can take shortcuts. And he learns through seasons of difficulty, God is not going to bend truth. Jacob, you will bend. You will bend if you will enter into the beauty and the power of salvation and the promise. Amen. He is truth and he is love. And the proclamation of the gospel must be both. We must be gripped with the love of God. And we must be gripped with such a fear of the Lord and a jealousy for truth that we will not compromise and shrink back. And we will not fear and seek to please men at the expense of grieving and disobeying God. And in a generation... Where there are so many voices, not just on the news and in the media and through the culture and everything else is being pressed upon us. But so often in pulpits where we're trying to make sure that people understand that God is a good guy. No, 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 really you'll like him if you get to know him a little bit more. There is no Old Testament God and New Testament God. There's one God. You guys know that, right? There's no like the Father is the mean one and Jesus is the nice one. <laughs> Love and truth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, knowing the fear of the Lord and the fact that we will stand before the throne of God, we persuade men. And then he says, we are compelled by the love of Christ. In the context of proclaiming the gospel, we are compelled by the love of Christ. Priests of God behold the face of God and are transformed into the same image by the Spirit of God. And they are filled with a message that they speak out into the nations around them from Judea. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. We will not fulfill our priestly call in this last hour, in, our, in this last generation, or however much 
time we have left in Chicago, if we don't behold his face and fill the streets of Chicago with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel, Chicago needs the gospel. The suburbs need the gospel. The south side needs the gospel. Amen. I've lived in Albany Park. I've lived in Portage Park. I've lived in Logan Square. I've lived in Woodlawn and Washington Park. The gospel is the answer for Chicago's needs. A, a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe today that the Lord wants to, to fill us with fresh boldness, with fresh fire, with a fresh urgency to walk out the way of sacrifice. Right after Paul shares these things in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to ourselves. And then even as, as, as was referenced last night by our, by our brother Bob, he goes on to talk about his catalog of sufferings and hardships. He talks about beholding as a priest. Then he talks about the message of a priest that he's entrusted with, which is the gospel that he tells the Romans is his priestly service to the Gentiles through the gospel that he may offer them up to God, that they would be sanctified and made holy by the Holy Spirit of God. And then right after that, he starts talking about suffering. Right after that, he talks about suffering. Why does he talk about suffering? Because if you give your life to Jesus and to his gospel, you are going to face hardships. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face resistance. Why is it that there are so many seeker-sensitive churches in the United States of America? We want people, we want everybody to like us. But the problem is, we get them to say yes to a version of the gospel that sounds like we preach ourselves. He says, we don't preach ourselves. We don't preach man. We don't preach humanism. We preach Jesus in the glory of God, ourselves as your servants. Because in the kingdom of God, the highest way looks like walking the lowest way. The highest form of joy and peace is found in walking through the way of lowliness. Jesus is the one that stands in the place of sacrifice. And by virtue of the cross empowers us by grace to walk the same way of sacrifice. If we are going to be priests in this last generation and behold his face and preach the message of the gospel to the nations all around us, wherever we, we may live, we have to sign up for a, a, a walk and a life of sacrifice. We have to sign up. Right? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and come and follow Listen, you can, you can lay hands on, on believers and you can see all kind of things imparted. You can see spiritual gifts imparted. You can prophesy. You can pray for the sick and they can be healed. Was anybody here last night when we prayed for the sick, did anybody feel healing in their body? Some of the people here were touched by God. We believe even more will happen tonight. But you can't lay hands on somebody and impart a commitment deep down within that says, Lord, I'm willing to say yes. I'm willing to say yes to Jesus who is the king and high priest. Who reveals to me the face of God. And reveals to me my own identity. Reveals to me the highest way of joy that looks like the way of suffering. That looks like the way of investing my life for the better of others, for the salvation of others. May God so grip our hearts when we behold them that we can say with Paul, I would be willing to cut to be, I would be willing to be cut off so that this city would be saved. What kind of selfless love must possess a human heart 
to be able to say something like this. A heart that's possessed by Jesus. Right? What does Paul say? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, are we not free? Right? Are, are we not free? Did Jesus not die on the cross to set us free? Did Jesus not die on the cross to set us free? Is that on our, is that on our testimony? I once was lost, I'm found. I was a slave, now I'm free. I'm no longer an addict. I'm no longer whatever the case may be. You know, I'm saved, I'm free now. But then how does he then express his freedom? He says, do we not have a right to eat and drink? Don't we have, we don't have the right to eat and drink. We have to voluntarily enter into fasting. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do, do we not have, speaking about himself and Barnabas, do we not have the right to take along with us a believing wife like the other apostles? Is it wrong? No, 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 it's not wrong. It's far from wrong. Do we not have a right as ministers of the gospel who walk in integrity and transparency to receive reimbursement for our needs from the saints? It's laid out biblically in the law. Is it wrong to? The others do it. He says, no, but we use our freedom to win all the more. That's what he says. We use our freedom that even more may be saved. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? He's talking about this. As priests of the gospel and the revelation of Jesus, as the majestic high priest, we ourselves follow that same way. The highest way of life is the way that chooses to offer up our privileges and rights so that others may come into encounters with the living God. Costs us our time, costs us our resources, costs us the embarrassment of talking to somebody on the blue line and he curses at you. I remember, I remember we used to go out, my brother-in-law I think is in here somewhere, but I remember we used to go out in Albany Park and preach the gospel a couple of times a week by our, by our, by our local church over there after I got married. And we would go out. It, it didn't matter the season. How many of you guys are here from Florida? Okay. You don't know cold. Until you come and spend February in Chicago. Right? And I remember, I remember we would go out on Lawrence Boulevard and just and wait out there. February. Wind chill. Okay, if you're from Florida, you, let me explain to you what the wind chill is. How many of you guys are from Chicago? Okay, wind chill. On the news. Today is going to be negative 5 or whatever. Today's going to be 10 degrees. Today's going to be 10 degrees in Chicago. But with the wind chill, it's going to feel like negative 30. Well, then it's negative 30. It's like equivalent to saying a little boy is going to slap you in the face. But what it's going to feel like is Mike Tyson punched you in the face. But like, what did Mike Tyson punch me in the face? So it'd be like the dead of winter with wind chill. And we'd be standing on Lawrence Boulevard talking to Pakistanis, Arabs, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans. It didn't matter who was out there. We were out there with a, with a copy of the word of Jesus laying hands on the sick. And I remember nights that we would be out there and nobody would be out there. Nobody would be out there because obviously, <laughs> but we were out there. And I remember one time thinking to myself, it was like weeks into the winter. And it was a rough one. It was one of those rough ones. Are there any that are not rough ones? And I remember the Lord hearing the spirit of the Lord say to me, he says, you're not out there. He said, don't be, he told me, don't lose heart. He says, don't lose heart. He says, you're not out there primarily for them first. He says, you're out here for me. You're out here for me. What else are you going to do with your Thursday night? What else are you going to do? What is the essence of your life? Listen, you got all things you can do. I'm free to do all kinds of things. But if we measure obeying Jesus by what we're free to do, they ask us in, in, in the Middle East, they ask us all the time, so what are you allowed to do? You know, in Islam, we're not allowed to do this. Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to drink? Are you allowed to go here? Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed? We're not allowed. But what are you allowed? I tell them, no, no. It's, it, faith in Jesus supersedes 
laws of what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Sure, there's implications of those things. Sure there is. But it supersedes those things because we are governed by the law of love. We're governed by the law of love. And if we want to live on the outside of the outer courts, we'll live our life of faith based upon what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. I'll watch just enough in the movie when just enough clothing is taken off. And I'm not allowed to, to watch when everything's taken off. Right? We'll listen to trash to the point where we're like, it's, I'm allowed to listen to a little bit, but not. But when you're, when you're governed by the law of love, it's, you're no longer gauging things based upon, should I do this? Should I not do this? Is, should I give 10%? I'm, I should give 10%. I, I shouldn't give 9%. It's no longer an issue of what should I, what shouldn't I, what am I allowed to, not allowed to. It's now, Lord, I gaze upon your beauty and your majesty and, and, and your holiness. And I'm transformed by you. And when I'm gazing, I see that resurrected Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. His face brighter, shining brighter than the sun in, in full strength. And when I look down at your feet. In fact, when I look up at your feet, because when we behold the Lord, you're on your face. Listen, you are on your face. If you have an encounter with Jesus, you are on your face. I promise you that. Any encounter with Jesus that doesn't look like you on your face in awe of the majesty of God, changed and transformed by his holiness and compelled to give your life for the gospel, I, it's like, mm, did you you sure you sure it's not an issue of what we're allowed to do not allowed to do it's an issue of are we willing to give all to love him and to see others come into the knowledge of God through the power and the revelation of the gospel amen thanks again for listening to the podcast today we pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.